0: Yes, they are the champions, the 2050 KVBL champions, your New Orleans Jazz. Congratulations to Jazz on their third franchise title, their third championship. Welcome to Around the KVBL. I am your host, Troy Kennedy. And on tonight's show, we're going to get to speak to the man behind the champion, the man that put together another winning team, and brought the third championship to New Orleans. RWE will join us on the show later on today, so we're excited about that. So, with the playoffs being in the books, with the season being over, we are back in silly season, and teams are gearing up for the draft. It's gearing up for RFA and UFA, and you know, set themselves up for, to compete next season. But first, let's talk about this playoff run that the Jazz had. So the Jazz, as we said, now won their third KJ trophy. Um, you know, but it's been 30 years between as the last KJ trophy came in 2020. So 30 years later, they add their third championship and they join a very exclusive club with the Raptors, Kings, Lions, and Clippers, all that now have three. Championship. So we are now five teams in that group fighting for the first team to be the fourth. So that'd be interesting to follow next season with several teams now putting themselves in a, in a position to win that fourth elusive championship. So if you look at the Jazz and their path to the title, in the first round they had to face the eighth seed Portland Blazers. Uh, they won that series four games to one. They were up 3-0 before the Blazers took one at home to at least get it to game five and have to travel one more time before New Orleans shut the door and sent the Blazers packing. In the second round, they had to play the five-seed Heat who actually um, went with a 5-4 upset over the Warriors in the first round. The Warriors being our show's pick to go through from the main art. So once again... Troy was anything but right Um, so we're really getting getting our predictions right this season as we had um, the Lions go from Landros and that also didn't try to work out so much so we get into that in a little bit anyway in the second round the Jazz swept the 5 seed and the Miami Heat not really giving them any chance whatsoever in the conference finals we had the much-anticipated matchup of the New Orleans Jazz and the Atlanta Hawks, who many had picked um, had picked to go to the conference final in the Maynard, and they sure did. Uh, the jazz, you know, with home court advantage, have been so good at home, took care of business and ended up winning that, that series in six games, going to the finals. Now in the finals. They got to play the eyebrow razor of the season. The Charlotte Hornets, who made it all the way through to their finals. And for many, very unexpected. Um, As a matter of fact, on our prediction show, um, both the GM of the Cavs and us um, had the 76ers. I had them sweeping. Meanwhile, uh, I believe Kyle had them winning four games to one over the Hornets. And big part of that being with KB Bryant being out for that series, You know who was the talisman of the Hornets. But were we wrong? So the Hornets swept the, four, uh, the 76ers. Then had to play the Bulls in round two, where they won four games to one. And then in the finals of the Landers, the conference finals, had to play the Lions who they also beat four games to one. So the Hornets came into the final on a 12-2-2 run, which was incredibly impressive. Um, in that finals against the Jazz, it was all about holding serve at home as all seven games, and yes, we went seven, were won by the home team. The Jazz won the first two games in pretty... Um, I wouldn't say spectacular, but pretty you know, solid fashion, uh, winning by, if we can look at the winning margins, uh, 118 to 99, and then game two, 119 to 96, so you know, you know, 19, 20, 21 points in both games. Um, game three and four were a little closer. Uh, we had gone the shawl at this point. Remember the finals, you played two, three, and then two. So the Hornets had the next three at home. They won all three at home to take a 3-2 lead. Those scores are 117 to 112, 124 to 114, and 125 to 104. Taking the series back to New Orleans, where New Orleans won game six, 126 to 91. So never really gave the Hornets a chance in that one. Forcing a game seven with the Jazz won, 134 to 107. Dominant performance at home by the Jazz who was 69 and 13 during the regular season, you know, went through the um, the main art with a 12 to 3 uh, record and then, you know, just took care of business at home. So congratulations to New Orleans. Uh, great season. The MVP of the playoffs became Merlin Rohr, none other than Merlin Roar, who just had an outstanding season and, you know, nothing more deserved to this man. And you know, lots of GMs have had mixed opinions about Merlin War just because he doesn't really play defense. He's not a he's not a guy that's going to put the effort on defense, but he just does so many good things on offense that you know, if, with the right pieces around, you can so you can overcome the fact and his in his lack on defense as long as you get the piece around it. And on offense, he's just an absolute monster. So, congratulations to New Orleans. Um, we're excited to get to speak to RV here very soon and um, you know talk about this this magical run that was the 2050 season for, for New Orleans. So just before we do that and we go to commercial break, let's talk real quick what's happening during this silly season. We've already had one trade that has been discussed uh, quite a bit amongst GMs where the Clippers send Freya Dreyer if you guys remember, they made a big move to get Freya Dreyer at the deadline, sending a multitude of picks um, and some young prospects to the Thunder to get Dreer's services. Um, I don't think they say that he played bad, but I think the Clippers you were know, just too deep of a hole to get themselves in a playoff portion. Obviously, at the end, end up missing out. Um, they sent Dreyer to the Celtics, uh for Wade Chambers in a simple one for one deal. You know, that has some GMs, you know, opening up their eyes and questioning things a little bit after giving up so much to get Dreyer. Was that a good value trade to just go one on one for Chambers? I mean he is an interesting prospect. Um he's obviously younger than Dreyer is. He's you know lots of defensive playmaking. You know, is that gonna be a good fit in in L.A., who already has a couple of defensive monsters with Dino Dawson and McFarland, it seems like scoring might be an issue. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what Chambers can bring to the table, but you know, Drager might be a good fit in, in Boston. It, we'll find out, but as I said, it didn't seem like a big price for the Celtics to pay to get, to get Drager. So we'll see how that works out. Tomorrow night, we're going to have the 2050 draft. Um, we're going to be in Radio City Music Hall in New York City. And we are going to be on stage. We're going to be right there at the draft tomorrow. I'm excited to be to be in New York again. I love being in New York. So I'm excited to be there and, you know, talk about this draft. Um, a draft that's going to be very deep from all the scouting that we've heard. You know, how many solid prospects are going to be had in the you know in the first up to the middle of the first round so if you have a pick in the teens you can expect to get you know a solid helping piece for your team and if you have a high pick you're going to get you know a potential franchise piece a franchise cornerstone so you know lots of gms are going to be excited about about tomorrow night uh, i know we are you know getting to be around and you know seeing all this go down so tomorrow we're going to welcome 52 new players to the kvbl so we're excited about that with that said we're going to take a short break we're going to listen to a couple commercials from our sponsors and after that we're going to get our man and the gm behind the championship team rve on the show so stay tuned for that and we'll talk to you guys soon welcome back to around the KVBL and now i am joined by your KVBL 2015 champion from the New Orleans Jazz RVE RV how are you my friend
1: i am wonderful feels good man
0: i i bet it does so Daniel, tell me all about it what went through your mind as those last second expired of game 7 and you guys were up by 30 points and you just knew it was going to be a championship
1: Maybe we should take it back a game before that when the system crashed when I was up in game six. That's when uh, I I might have reached my low point there. Um, Those who remember when I first joined KBBL back in the day might remember my very first season playing when the entire system crashed when I was up beating a one seed in the first round. and I, I had some awful flashbacks, but yeah, when when the final buzzer sounded at the end of game seven it was uh it was pretty magical stuff. It was uh hard to not continue thinking back to how glorious it was to shut Smath up with that sweep. But still it was uh it was equally, if not more, exciting to to finally win the third well,
0: as you said, and that is your third championship, and the first one in 30 years, you know, having won in 2018, then 2020, and now 30 years later in 2050. Um, you know, when it goes that long in between, are there, are there starting to be some doubts of the fact, is it ever going to happen again?
1: Sure. Yeah, those creep in from time to time. And, you know, I have said – many times before that I enjoy this game for a lot more than just winning and despite the fact that you know people like Ricky may not believe it I enjoy crunching the numbers almost every bit as much as I enjoy actually winning the championship so had it never happened again it would not have been the end of the world but uh I I would still prefer to be on top than not
0: I mean, of course, we understand that. And now with your third championship, you are joining a pretty prestigious club. Um, you know, you, yourself with your Jazz, the Raptors, Kings, Lions, and Clippers are now all sitting on three championships. Um, let me ask you this. Obviously, you're going to put yourself right back in contention next year, I'm assuming. So do you give yourself the best chance to be the first team to four?
1: Uh as best a chance as anyone next season. Um, you know, I, I think that the, you know, the Clippers are, are coming uh, very quickly and Drizzy is kind of, you know, he's kind of dropping off. I, I'm not sure if Chile can do it just yet next season. Um, although, you know, the Raptors have a bright future. I, I You know, if, if it's going to happen next year, it's, it's gotta be the jazz. I mean, look at the King situation, there's there's no hope there. So, yeah, it's. Uh, I give myself as good a chance as any next season.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Now, of those other GMs, if there was somebody that you would be very happy for that would beat you to four, which one would it be?
1: Definitely Chile. He... Has done it with three completely separate teams spread out across you know eight to ten year gaps in between, showing that he can win in different eras in, in version four with different types of squads. Uh, he's probably the uh, the three title club representative that I have the most respect for. So it, yeah, it would definitely be chilly.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Chile's, you know, well-liked around the league from what it seems like and, you know, clearly knows what he's doing. Um, you know, so let me ask you this, you know, as we obviously know, you've won three championships now. Which one is the most special one?
1: Well, I still think it's probably the second one in 2020. Um, I really enjoy a reboot because it gives me the opportunity to create a bunch of spreadsheets, um, but – Completely trading my entire team on the fly in two seasons and then coming back and winning the second one was uh, it was pretty sweet, especially given, you know, taking on one of my favorite players of all time and Farkas uh, my, my point guard for that second title, um, winning another one with him after he won one with the Heat in the previous version was was pretty sweet. I, I still, you know, hold that one pretty close.
0: Well, I, I understand that. Um, so if we go back and look at you know, your path to the title, you know, first round, you you 4-1 win of the Blazers. I mean, no big surprise there. Um, you know, I think the biggest surprise there may have been that the Blazers did actually manage to take a game from you. Then in round two, you got the heat when many, including myself, expected, you know, the Warriors to win that series. And you stomped and, and you know swept the heat, which I'm sure, you know, getting one over Smath always feels good, um, just because he's always up there in the mix. Then in the conference final, you get the Hawks, which was a very anticipated matchup. How did you feel going into that conference final with the Hawks?
1: Well, first of all, going into you know round round two. Um... The Warriors are the reason I kind of made the Norm George trade and redid my team. I thought that they were too big of a threat with the way my team was previously constructed, and I didn't think I could beat them, Um, not to mention the Bulls as well. So really my team was built to try to contend with the Warriors and Bulls, And I wound up not having to play either one. I also find that the Suns are a difficult matchup for me. So, you know, you need a little luck in this. And it just so happens that I missed all three of those matchups that I was kind of fearing. Um, But in terms of the Hawks, I thought from a matchup perspective, I had a few distinct advantages. And I, I think I was able to take advantage of them. You know, I played in the four series for completely different lineups um and in fact Elliot played four different positions in all four of those matchups so I felt like just having him being four position eligible and using all four positions in the playoffs just shows that you know having that type of flexibility within an all-world defender can really just make the rest of your pieces tie together nicely
0: well especially because you can always play matchup and you know when you play the heat, you know, the one guy you got to shut down is Danny Watson. And when we play the Hawks, it's like, okay, how can we roll against Jericho? But it almost seems like he's nowhere slowing down. So you just, you really have to make sure that you win every other matchup significantly, right?
1: Well, yes. Um, but also, you know, I I decided to to throw well at Jericho just because I thought he could give him a little bit of trouble, get him into occasional foul trouble, which he did in a couple of those games. Just give him something to think about, you know? So you're not completely punting on the Jericho matchup, but also understanding he's going to get his. And then, yes, I sort of targeted the other matchups that I thought I could win, um, you know, using, using Elliott appropriately to try to take out one of his you know, key pieces. Um, and, and I really think, you know, this was a little bit of the revenge against Dolanek series. You know, I've sort of uh, through no fault of his own, uh, you know, I made the decision to trade him kind of early on before he developed into the, the piece that he is now and just kind of seeing him develop from a distance. I've had a little bit of jealousy. So I had to, that that Mason versus Dolanek matchup was something I was excited to watch, and it definitely turned out in my favor. If you look at that series, um, those those box scores are, are very friendly for Mason.
0: I mean, obviously there were several moves that were made that you know led to all of this, and um, you know if you go through them real quick, I mean the major ones. Obviously in the beginning of the season, you trade. Make a trade with the Knicks where you get Mason and you give up Falwell, which, you know, giving up Falwell is probably never an easier thing to do because knowing of his stature and who he is, but you're getting Mason who clearly really propelled your team. But then after you give up Barber, who was, you know, Falwell's running mate, you find a way to get Falwell back for like, you know, a quarter of the price. So now suddenly you end up getting Mason and Falwell back on your team. I mean, that, that was just a genius move.
1: Thank you and, and it was complete luck. Um, had the you know had the deadline, I know you mentioned it in previous podcast, if the deadline hadn't been extended at the last minute because of issues at the league office, that wouldn't have been possible. Um, you know it, it, he was definitely a target, and I knew that the Thunder were trying to get off of some some pieces and some salary, especially some long term salary. And I knew that there was an option out there, but two days prior, that deal wasn't on the table when the deadline was originally scheduled. So uh, that one, that was very fortunate. Another, you know, piece of luck. I mentioned the the matchups falling in my favor to a certain extent. So did that deadline extension. Yeah,
0: well, I mean, I said any championship needs some kind of luck if it's, you know, it starts with a lot of luck or whatever it is. But, you know, things did fall. Did fall in your favor, but you know, I'm a firm believer that things happen for reasons, so there was probably meant to be for the Jazz to be the champions this year. So, you know, let's talk about that final that ended up going seven games against, you know, by far the most surprising team of the playoffs with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, just look at the way they went through the Landros, you know, I mean, sweeping the 76ers, winning 4 1 against the Bulls, and then winning 4 against the Lions. Um, you must have been as surprised as anybody that you saw the Hornets in the final.
1: Absolutely. Um, I was not actually surprised that they beat the lions, um, but I was as shocked as anyone that they beat the bulls. Um, I definitely did not see that outcome coming. Um, You know, I think there was an opportunity, even though, you know, the bulls um, plan is fairly public with the way that their coach decides to sort of publicize the way he's going to handle certain matchups before the playoffs, uh, you know, it was a risky move, but it it worked for him in the previous season. I think even though that was the case, you know, with Boudreau not having much flexibility, he had the opportunity to actually move Zion um, and and move around some other things to try to target that weakness, but they decided not to do, do so. And I think it may have may have cost the Bulls in in this particular uh, situation. But once it was Hornets Lions, I, I thought it was a toss-up in in the conference finals, you know. But seeing the Hornets definitely posed quite a few interesting challenges. And if you see the way the finals actually played themselves out, being that you know, two pretty big wins, uh, home wins, game one and two, and then losing the three middle games on the road and having to come back home to win the final two. That's actually exactly how um, I won the finals over the Lakers in my first championship season back in 2018. It's a a recipe New Orleans fans uh, probably remember if they're still around from that long ago.
0: Well, we sure hope that they're, you know, franchises for life. You would hope. (laughs) Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting to see with some of these winners and, you know, the GMs have often, you know, different views on what it takes to win a team. And every now and then there's a team that just completely surprises you. Um, you know, many call it the, flu- the fluke win of the Knicks, for instance, they had a team that, you know, had no steals on the team and they still figured out a way to, to win the whole thing. You know, once again, the Hornets being the, the finalist, um, that year as well. Now we look at your team. That's overall pretty balanced, but in a pretty important position, you have a ga- guy like Merlin War, who you know scores like it's nobody's business, but cannot defend. I mean, he can't defend against a cold if you try to. Um, how how does that work? Did that work out?
1: So what I've learned, especially from teams like the Knicks, um, you know, from from eight or nine seasons ago, and other. You know more. Let's call them um, unlikely, timely champions. Is that um, you know system systems are made to be broken. You know, and I was pretty rigid um, with the types of players that I like, the types of players that I don't, for a very long time. And really, over the past probably 12 to 15 seasons. I have started liking more and more players in general. Um, the roar types, um, the, the you know, let's throw a guy out there like Steckley on the Lakers um, types of, of players that, you know, and, and maybe some people even like, you know, uh, Jan Vidra who has been passed around the league now uh, quite a few times players that, you know, there's there's hidden value on that maybe a lot of people don't agree on. I I'm starting to have an open mind towards, especially with now granted him being the fifth starter, but a person like Hoskins last year, you know, I, I've started to really study the way that these teams um, manufacture, like you mentioned, with no steals, with no passing. With no rebounding, they still manufacture victories. And I've started to become open minded to almost any type of player. And really, what I've started to do is build teams in the aggregate rather than looking for specific individuals. So I'm looking for cumulative rebounding, cumulative assists, cumulative steals rather than targeting certain types of players. So basically, now I'm just looking at. How many people can I get on my team that can win an individual matchup, average more points per possession than they give up against a given random opponent in a playoff series? And as I've started to do that, it started to remove some of the biases that I had in the past that that kept me from seeing some good talent right in front of my face.
0: I mean – and you know, knowing with, with with your team, it's like there's no team out there that works with stats and the, you know the sabermetrics as you want to call it as much as as the Jazz do. And you know you guys are working closely with the league office in this as well. Um, do you really think that gives you a big advantage over other teams, or just or you know you just have a little bit extra knowledge?
1: I I believe it helps. On the, on the margins, you know, no matter how much you look at the stats, anyone can predict who's going to be the top 10 people in PER. You can probably predict who's going to be the top 10 in usage rate if you're looking at players across the league. It's, it's not like you're going to find, you know, a top 20 value that no one knows about, right? Correct. But valuing, you know, a Merlin Roar five seasons ago for his skill set Um, you know, above maybe some other high volume scoring bench type players based on just some small predicting factors like staying a little bit above his percentages, being a little bit more efficient than you would expect from a person with that rating set is enough to help you kind of hold on to a player instead of including someone in a trade that otherwise you might not, you know, think twice about letting go. And sometimes like that on the margins, like finding a good min signing that maybe doesn't have value elsewhere throughout the league. If, if you really do crunch the numbers and stay consistent with it, you can find value that is being missed elsewhere. I, I do believe you can. Yes.
0: Well, I mean, and when it comes to crunching numbers, that's something that you guys have to do now for a couple of seasons, staying very, very close to. To you know the hard caps, you guys have to find the values in in some of these min games just to make the rotation work.
1: Well, I think Tony Powers is an example of that. I mean, having a finals starting point guard at that low a number um, is is unheard of. Uh, you know, it, it, it's it's very rare that you can actually get that type of production for that little value. And I was shocked that I got him to sign for that money, but I'm glad I offered him the contract um, because, you know, he got the right progressions, you know, he developed in practice. He uh, followed the program, worked with the coaching staff, like he was supposed to, and it, and it paid off.
0: He trusted in the process and there we go. Um, so looking back at this season, I mean, you guys were pretty dominant throughout the season, you know, they'll, the Jet, I mean, the Hawks were really the only other team that challenged you for that number one spot, and that's despite, you know, Maynard being an incredibly difficult conference. Um, but at what point did you think or slash know that this could be another year, this is, this is the season?
1: Well, it's the opposite, really. I mean, I, I almost gave up despite being um, as dominant as I was for a time. Really, after the Bulls made the Holland move, and after I saw how well Ballard mixed with Weebs on the Warriors, I thought it was a Warriors Bulls Finals. I mean, I, you know, personally, in, in some weak moments, told some people on the staff uh, in New Orleans that, that that was almost a given. Um, and I decided that if I really had a chance to compete, I was going to have to target lineup flexibility that could actually match up with you know, a Weebs, a, a Ballard, and a, a Zion along with, you know, a, a talent like Holland, Um, and I gave it my best shot, you know, to to bring in some players that can match up with teams like that, and it just so happens I didn't even have to match up against those two teams.
0: Yeah, that, that, that certainly worked out in your favor, and, you know, you were certainly not the only one that was calling for the Bulls um, for, the, for the Bulls to be back in the final and the Warriors, you know, I mean, as you know, I had the Warriors going to the final. Granted, I had them playing the Lions, and, you know, I was 0 for 2 with that prediction, and 0 for everything else, anything else I've predicted so far this season. Um, but, so you talk about players you brought in, and I mean, it had to be comical when you start talking to you know, Robin Falwell about coming back and joining the Jazz after like, listen, Six weeks ago, you guys gave up on me and he want me back. I mean, how did that all come about?
1: Well, it, it was a difficult phone call. It was a, a tough, you know, conversation to have. But ultimately, Falwell, he's the consummate professional. He realized that I think this opportunity gave him a better chance to win. And at his age, you know, after having, I believe, three titles prior to this, knowing what a championship formula looks like he looked at the rest of the roster and really by the time I got him on the phone he was he was already sold on it uh really all he asked was to get an opportunity to start and I gave him the opportunity to battle for a starting spot and he started in 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 several series along the way
0: I mean and he's a proven winner and winning again he did so as I said that was just a Sneaky good move considering the fact that what you got when you gave him up in the first place. So that really worked out in the Jazz's favor and makes you just look like an absolute genius. So I congratulate you on that move. Um, So besides the fact that you obviously got to win, which is, uh, you know, can't be described how good of a feeling that must be, what was your favorite thing about the season?
1: Well, it was was beating the Heat, obviously. After uh, the, the Heat GM continued to talk about how i was the matchup he wanted new orleans he was targeting our team he had a a magic elixir to take us down he was going to shut down roar he had it all figured out and then only to to turn around and, and get swept when it mattered most that was that was pretty sweet i'm sure i'm sure that felt pretty pretty darn good
0: all right let's talk about the celebration in New Orleans? How is it there?
1: Well, it's, it's unfortunately a little, a little muted, you know, people with uh, people with masks on, you know, right now trying to keep each other safe. Uh, You know, nothing about New Orleans screams social distance. So we're, there's a, some, some celebrating going on that hopefully will only increase You know, this is pretty much all the city's going to have with uh, Mardi Gras most likely being canceled. Um, So we're going to we're going to keep it going for a little bit longer, even though it maybe can't be quite as rowdy as as you would normally expect. Well, I mean, that's
0: that is one thing for sure. It's just not the same kind of time. But I mean, it doesn't mean it's going to be any less appreciated in the city um which also brings me then to my you know final questions for you my off the wall questions uh, so let me ask you this if you had to pick any other GM in the league that would throw the absolute best slash craziest championship party who would you choose and number two my question is which GM would you do you think would figure out a way to destroy the trophy by dropping it off the bus or, you know, you know, doing something dumb with it. So I'll let you run with those two,
1: man. I I feel like some of these you're just teeing them up to get the same answer as every podcast over and over again. But let me, let me see if I can get you a little, a little bit of different flavor for, for those. So I'm going to go a little off the wall with the first one. And I think it's, it's gotta be Zay. Um, the, the son's, gm and mostly because they've just been waiting for a championship for so so long that you've gotta give give the guy a little credit that he's got a celebration plan that he just hasn't been able to use for 40 seasons so or longer probably 50 so um yeah i i would like to trust in the fact that it's going to be a pretty intense celebration whenever that day does come um But as far as destroying the trophy, um, out of a complete accident, you know, you know, that's gotta be all rim, but for somebody just destroying the trophy on purpose, you know, just out of spite, um, maybe that's, maybe that's creased. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the GM would do something that, that crazy. There we go.
0: There we go. Well, I appreciate that. Um, once again, RV, congratulations to another championship. The city of New Orleans absolutely loves you. Um I wish you all the luck in this off season, you know, as you guys are giving up for your title defense. So we will hear from you soon again. You have a wonderful night and thank you so much for joining us on the show.
1: You too, and thank you for getting the city right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you got it. Bye. Bye.